Welcome to the Book of Midora podcast, the podcast we talk about Legend of Zelda series, and also sometimes whatever we feel like. Uh-huh. Yeah. I am your host, Crystal, and with me is Monica. Hello. And Cameron. Hi. Today, we, we're going we're gonna to take our old pickaxe and go to the emails mines. We do love mining for emails. We have so many emails. Thank you for sending us emails. We're very grateful. And also, sorry that it took so long to get around to some of these. Now, don't be sorry for that. We're getting to it, so, you I'm know. sorry we Damn. make such, such beefy, content-filled episodes <laughs> that we only have enough energy to do, like, two or three emails at the end of a... Why don't we start with, uh, with uh, Jacob? Okay. Hi, Monica, Crystal, and Cameron. I saw on Twitter that you were looking for questions, so here you go. When people die in the Zelda series, why do some of them come back as full ghosts while others come back as Poe's? King Rome gets to retain his appearance and mind when he becomes a ghost, as do others we see throughout the series. But the people who end up as Poe's are radically changed from their living forms and seem to vary in how much sentience they retain. What gives? Looking forward to new episodes of Book of Medora. It's good to have you all back. This email is from, like, May, isn't it? Yes. Yep. Okay. We got to it. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, yeah, them new episodes. Are Poe's ghosts? Are Poe's are ghosts, ghosts Pose? are they merely ghost-type beings, like Gengar? <laughs> um, hmm. See, I think that's an interesting question. What do you make of this whole question here, Crystal? Like, is it, it do you posit that Poe's are actually living things rather than ghosts? Well, we know that the skeletons roaming Hyrule Field are the skeletons of those uh, slaughtered in the war. That doesn't imply that they're the ghosts of those same skeletons. They could just be possessed by the spirit of the war, so to speak. That's true. The the, uh, the sharp and flat ghosts are tied to specific people, but the Poe's not really. Yeah, the the only ghosts I can think of that look like Poe's are sharp and flat. And I have a theory mm-hmm. that when they were alive, sharp and flat coincidentally happened to look exactly like Poe's. Oh. Yep. I that- saw... <laughs> So, so the other Poes just look like that in life too. Or? No, the Poes aren't ghosts. They're not ghosts until you kill them. They're ghosts of little fires. But you can you can actually kill sharp and flat, or not kill, but you know, reduce to a fire thing and and bottle up. I no, I don't know if you can bottle it up, but you can definitely reduce to a flame thing. Yeah, that's a ghost fire. Those are real. The, so they're Poe like. It just coincidentally looks the same. It's all coincidence. I mean, we yep. know that reincarnation exists in Zelda. Does so, it? Yeah, people reincarnate. Give me an I example. Feel, I feel like that's fair to say. <laughs> that's why they show up again, again, again. We also were open to the idea of just like strong genes that uh, that's true exhibit very um, 
basic physical characteristics over the the generations like how impa and paya look very similar uh, please, at similar ages please explain to me the mechanism by which these strong genes uh would proliferate well see when two hylians love each other very much or you know have too much to drink and make mistakes with each other um I don't know where I was going with this exactly, but basically, um, if Imp- let's say that Impa had a Sheikah guy that she slept with, the way that it works is that their grandchildren, any female grandchildren, will look exactly like Impa, and any male grandchildren will look exactly like the Sheikah guy that she slept with. Doesn't that make it like kind of awkward for everyone? What do you What do you mean? Because what? any time, any time you fuck a guy. It'd be like, wow, you look exactly like my dad. Yeah, that would be weird, wouldn't it? It's also possible <laughs> that, you know, through finding your purpose, if your purpose matches that of your ancestors exactly, so too will you resemble them. Oh. So it's not an absolute physical um, resemblance, but, you know, if if the, the Melon has a child and the, the child, you know, goes and runs a ranch and likes horses, that child will look increasingly more like Malin. Are you saying that people who do evil things, if they have children that also do evil things, will have kids that look more like them? Uh So there's actually like, is phrenology real in Hyrule? Oh, this is awful. (laughs) I take everything back. Okay. With that one, I'm going to dip out for about 10 minutes. I'll be back. So it's either reincarnation or... They just reuse the same actors because these are all stage plays. For Zelda? Yeah. Uh, I guess that could work. <laughs> I don't know if Cameron will sign off on that, but sure. Uh, Cameron's going to have to sign off on it because he's not here. That's true. Crystal, do you have an opinion on Pose versus Ghosts? I like to think that when you become a ghost, you enter like a Beetlejuice type society where the life you lived as a human just becomes less and less and less relevant over time, and you just become part of ghost society, and you forget who you even were. That works. So, yeah, you sort of, I'm not going to say regress, but you kind of get distilled into something else. Yeah. Sure. Or, you know, there may be a a ghost and maybe a Poe as a lingering regret or you know the part of you that's not in balance or something yeah that is typically the ghost thing is that you are you are kept on earth weighed down by your chains of regrets like fighting in a war mm-hmm. though i guess in the end of breath of the wild rome and all of the champions go away too so ghost behavior resembles the poe behavior pose pose just tend to hang out. They don't go away unless you kill them. Maybe they don't have regrets. They just want to stay around because they like the place instead of wherever is left. That's possible. Do Sharpened Flat go away after you get the Sun Song? I don't remember. Do they go away? Do they go to heaven like uh, Twin Rova? I don't. Uh, that definitely doesn't happen. I just don't know if they spawn afterwards or not. It's been a while. Jason, we're open to suggestions. We're open to suggestions about what's the deal with Sharp and Flat. Yes. And also the other Sharp and Flat in Termina. 
Yeah, but the solar system could work completely different in Termina. <laughs> um, though, I guess, yeah, like Darmini and um, Macau are completely different. Yeah, they're... And to the Pokes. They're, they're champion-type ghosts, not Poe-type mm-hmm. ghosts. They're just different kind of ghosts. Ghosts are a diverse bunch. They don't all have to work the same. Maybe if you're a special enough person in life, you get to be a ghost. But if not, you're um, you're rather middling Poe. And then if you're really not special, you're just a regular Poe. Right. That's why Rome gets to be uh, a person ghost, because he has royal blood. Uh, that's not very good. I don't like that. Yeah, let's do reincarnation. <laughs> sure. That's what exists. Okay. Maybe on to the next email. Yeah. Yes, let's read Whistles. Hey, yo, Book of Medora podcast. It's your friendly listener, Whistle, again. Once more, I've come to pontificate on sapient non-Hylians, only this time a reversal of friendliness. That part's in caps. Namely, how would you feel to see enemy Zoras come back as a faction in Breath of the Wild? I think it would be interesting to have the fireball-spitting fiends come back, perhaps as Zoras that side with Ganondorf and are warped by evil magics into amphibious monsters. Heck, more diverse Yiga clan members would be cool. Think of it, Yiga Zora, Yiga Rito, and how intense would a fight with a Yiga Gorin be? Probably not very intense given the typical Gorin mellowness, but it would be interesting. This may be a bit briefer than my usual fare, but I hope this provokes your imaginations. From Whistle. Whistle underscore tall on Twitter. I would love to see a return of the River Zoras. The noble River Zoras to me. <laughs> um, yeah. I suppose it would be nice to have uh, more diversity in the, the other species. They, they don't all necessarily need to swear fealty to the king. Right. They can and, have their independent domain of the rivers. Yeah, and if they looked quite visually, you know, distinct, that would be nice. I mean, Breath of the Wild kind of had, you know, some, some variations in the Grudo, the Zora, I guess even the Gorin, sort of. But or, it would be nice to have a bit more. I did like the that they had different types of Zoras and Gerudos and Gorons mm-hmm. and Ritos. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm not sure why any of those groups would join up with the Yiga. Yeah, that's that's the catch there. Their beef is pretty specific to <laughs> their great, 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 great grandpas being fucked over in, as the Sheikah. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really have anything to do with uh, Rivali. Yeah, I guess, I mean, you see in Hyrule Warriors that you can already fight all the other species anyway. Without them being Yiga. Right. But, yeah, I, I'd like to see some conflict. I, I just don't know how that would be like in Breath of the Wild 2. Yeah, I think they're, they're probably fairly hesitant to have to have Link kill too many guys who can, like, who are guys and not monsters, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because if you kill a monster, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't think about that too much. If you kill, but like, guys. a person... you kill a guy... Well, that's that's just a murder right there. That's a homicide. I just read the um, the profile on uh, Miyamoto. Did yeah. you see it? Yeah, where um, 
for uh, Goldeneye, um, he wanted James Bond afterwards to visit all of the enemies he killed in the hospital and shake hands. <laughs> it would be like that. Now, is Miyamoto suggesting that they lived from being yep. shot? No uh-huh. one died. It's like Batman. <laughs> Bruce Wayne visits every goon that he breaks the back of in the hospital <laughs> and pays their hospital bills. You know, I, I would I would actually like that. I don't know. Is that better? I feel like if I was a, a, a member of the Joker's gang and I had my back broken by Batman, I guess I wouldn't know that Bruce Wayne is Batman, so I'd be thankful for to him. But if I knew that he was Batman, I feel like that'd be very condescending. Yeah, it, it wouldn't work with the Arkham Asylum setting, but I'm just thinking of the old animated series. If Batman beat up a bunch of mobsters or whatever, um, he probably would actually take some time to, as Bruce Wayne, you know, help with their rehabilitation, their education, get them out of, you know, whatever caused them to go into the mob to begin with for the grunts. I think that's distinctly probable. I feel like if Bruce Wayne was on that level, maybe he wouldn't be Batman in the first place. <laughs> that's with that's with all of the you know dark and gritty Batmans. The, the the animated series one definitely invested a lot of money as a philanthropist, and I can I can see him doing it. He invested a lot of money into the police. Uh, he, yeah, as parents' grave, he was like, "I don't have to be Batman anymore. I can give the city money to hire more cops." <laughs> In conclusion, yeah, I like to see, uh, you know, like Majora's Mask had the Deku kingdom, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Just like indep- we want some weird kingdoms of weird species variants. Yeah, independent kingdoms that are not like allies to Hyrule, but also not necessarily enemies. They're just doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, next question from Jonathan. Hey there, I had two questions, one regarding the pod and the other a personal taste thing. I know you've brought up the manga adaptation several times when talking about their respective games, but how about dedicated episodes covering them, much like you had an episode for the cartoon? How about the one published in Nintendo Power, adapted from A Link in the Past, or the ones based off the cartoon published by Valiant? Two, do you have any? Do you have a favorite music track from the games? If so, which one? Sorry if he's been asked before, I'm only up to Skyward Sword in the podcast, and I can't actually remember most of what I listen to. I love the podcast and all of you. Stay safe. You can tell that this is um, early times in the pandemic, as the uh, the stay safe. <laughs> Everything was hitting strong. Before, before the Jokerfication set in. Oh, goodness, yeah. Should we do episodes on the mangas? <sighs> um... We could. We could do that. The sole thing that makes me hesitate is that I I don't think the manga is generally very good. They're, you know, they're, uh, they're an interesting curiosity. Yeah. A lot of it is would be kind of retreading the story with a few differences. There's, there's definitely a lot of differences to highlight and talk about. I, I guess what irks me about the manga is that people end up citing it as if it was the games, which is baffling to me. 
Uh, can you give me an example of that? Yes. Um, there was just a Did You Know Gaming um, episode on YouTube that went out uh, on Ocarina of Time. And Cameron and I were like, oh boy, what do we not know about Ocarina of Time? And at least two or three points in this, I think, seven point video were about the manga and about how did you know, you know, um, Volvagia is, or, you know, was befriended by Link as a pet. And I'm like, no, in the games, that's not what happens at all. That's, you know, a, a fictionalized account to, you know, bring some more uh, emotion into the situation. Um, they also brought a a reading of Sheik, which really irks me. I'm going to use that word a bunch of times in this um, episode, I think. But have you read the Ocarina of Time manga, Crystal? I have not read Himikawa's Ocarina manga. No. Okay. Well, all almost all of the um, Himikawa uh, mangas are Z-Link, which I don't mind. <laughs> but uh, they're not canon. And I, I don't like the, the way they're expressed. Um for example, with Sheik, um, it's revealed in the Ocarina of Time manga that basically Impa used magic to seal Zelda's consciousness. So Sheik is an entirely different being. And it's not like Zelda in disguise. Zelda was unconscious through the whole thing. So she has no agency. She- Sheik is Roxas? <sighs> uh... <laughs> I, I guess I don't know Roxas very well. Uh, uh, basically, Sora, Kingdom Hearts was asleep, and mm-hmm. then Sora's nobody, Roxas, was put in the Matrix to live out a simulation uh, until he was ready to merge back with the sleeping Sora. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much how they um, they had Sheik be. Huh. And, and I, I can't help feeling it was because. They didn't want to deal with any gender issues that they, might have emerged. Ooh, they didn't want to even slightly imply that Link might be a little attracted to Sheik. Yeah. I don't know. And, and just like thinking about, you know, choices and decisions and agency and, you know, what were you doing those seven years? It just, ugh, awful. Cam uh, did like one point of it in that that would probably mean that Zelda in the manga has about the maturity level as Link would have because they were both technically sleeping in the seven years, which oh. sure, I guess, a bunch of 10-year-olds and older bodies being, I don't know. Oh, I didn't even consider that. Yeah, I guess Sheik is an older kid, despite being the same age. <sighs> Hard pass. This is why I tend to prefer the earlier mangas, because those are basically just original stories, because you could project a lot onto Zelda 1. Whereas once you yes. get into Ocarina, that, that's a that's a transformative work. That is uh, uh, what you might call a fix-it-fick. Yes, definitely. But I don't like how they fix it. <laughs> I I do like the, um, the, the manga written by the... That guy, oh, who did the anime. Is it the Valiant comic? Yeah, the one. The Link to the Past comic. The uh, the one that was in Nintendo Power? Yes. Just a minute while I Google this. 
Yeah, by uh, Shotaro Ishinomori. Yeah. What anime did he do? One I didn't watch. <laughs> but the character just looks like one of his characters. Oh, you the- might know him from Cyborg 009 and the Common Rider and Super Sentai series. Yeah, I don't, but uh, I think that's what he's known for. <laughs> oh, yes, he is He is a very classic anime man, worked on Astro Boy, Alakazam the Great, lots of Tezuka stuff, and then made Cyborg 9. Yes. Um, the, the ending is quite nice and bittersweet and very beautiful, that, uh, that manga. I should read that. I should read should. the mangas, even if we don't talk about them. I should read through them. I have, I got a Kindle. I've been downloading mangas onto the Kindle, and that's a good way to read mangas. How big is the screen? Like, big enough. Bigger than my phone, certainly, which is what I was using before. Cool. Yeah, well, if you're going to read it, we might as well record. I yeah. think Cam would be for that as well. Okay, look out for that in the future. <laughs> We also, I, I do sort of want to do that uh, commercial episode with uh, Luke Speed Racer. I would love to do that with Luke Speed Racer, Varner. Just all the commercials until his mind blows up. There's, there's pretty good commercials. You know, yeah. I like commercials as as a as a as a work as a text. Yes, I think me they're too. Underappreciated. What's the uh, best Zelda song, Monica? The best Zelda song is the staff role um, end credits from Skyward Sword. That's a pretty good one. Yes. I cry very often when I listen to it. The one I come to immediately is Tall Tall Heights from Link's Awakening. Ooh. I'm a very... Go ahead. I'm a big fan of of the Game Boy and the Game Boy Color because they do a lot with very little. And that track does a lot with the Game Boy sound chip. Yeah. And it's almost shocking how how fast-paced and, you know, motivated it gets you. Yeah, even on your your tiny little dot matrix screen. When when the drop comes and goes like na 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 na, it's like yeah, I'm I'm on an adventure. <laughs> I think my runner-up song is the uh, staff roller end credits from Link to the Past, you which like, I also cry a lot at. <laughs> you like staff rolls? That's fair because staff rolls are often one of the best songs in the game. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would totally answer for Cameron here, but I think he doesn't usually have a favorite song. Oh, he's just walking in the door right now. Hey, what's your favorite song? Uh, the the games. All the games? All the games. Uh, Christ. Zelda's Lullaby, maybe? He says Zelda's Lullaby. And maybe. Maybe. And it's true that he often gets very sentimental whenever that melody is evoked. Wait, no. He's changed his mind. Kokiri Forest. And and I should add the maybe? No. No, definitively Kokiri Forest. And when it was alluded to in Breath of the Wild, um, he also got a little teary. (laughs) 
Kokiri Forest. Yes. So very different answers for all three of us. I do I do tend to like those chip tunes. Chip tunes are good. The the one that I like from Link's Awakening is the the forest tune. Mm-hmm. You know the one that goes do 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 do. Good one. Do 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 do. It just it's surprisingly really good. Yeah. That game has sick music. Yeah. Yeah, hey. I, I have a habit of li- of playing games on mute while listening to a podcast. <gasps> but then recently I've stopped do- doing that and listened to music. And I'm like, you know what? Music is good. <laughs> music is great. I don't know if I could ever do that to a Zelda game. Just play it on mute. Wow. Music really enhances an experience. Exactly yeah. No. Wait, really? Crystal sometimes mutes it. Oh, my God. Cameron is shocked. How, how am I going to listen to podcasts? I mean, I, I don't usually do it with a game like Zelda. I'll do it with a game like, uh, you know, Destiny, where I've I've heard the music many times. I've heard mm-hmm. Cade say his funny lines in the mission. I just want to grind to get my gun. Yeah, if you're grinding, then that's totally understandable. Okay. Next question. Let's see. Spy Whistle. We are making head ground into further into May. <clears throat> Hello, Cam, Crystal, and Monica. It's Whistle. I was on my daily walk when I thought about the Tower of the Gods from Wind Waker. That's great. We, whenever we go on walks, we ended up thinking of Zelda too. Uh, this led me down a thought path involving Sheikah having possibly built the thing, or maybe that the Sheikah were divinely inspired to build the machines based on Godhan, the Armos, and the Bemos there. However, that was only half of my contemplating. The other half regarded the hero's bow. Namely, the fact that the destination destinations the bow is found in each of the games might have odd implications. For instance, the earliest chronological instance of the bow is in the sand ship, the supremely ancient high-tech boat in the desert. What is this weapon doing there, and how has it managed to stay in such good condition? There's also the fact that the fairy bow of Ocarina of Time ends up either enshrined in the Tower of Gods and Wind Waker, or also enshrined by the Gorns and Twilight Princess. Link is brother slash savior to the Gorns in both ages of Ocarina, so it's not inconceivable that he'd leave them something. But how did whoever built the Tower of the Gods get a hold of it? It's not anything conclusive, but it feels like an interesting avenue to explore. Have fun with contemplation. Whistle. Hmm. Is that the same hero's bow throughout the ages? I don't think so. Let us Google bow sky. The hero's bow is not typically as renowned as, say, the master sword. It is pretty important, however. But but is it like, uh, you know, uh, you, you change it, but it has the same spirit? In fact... That that seems like that that was the first thought that I had. The second thought that I had was that maybe it's not so much the name of the weapon itself as the name of its make. The hero's bow is either the bow meant for the hero or else a bow actually made by the hero, a past hero. Sort of like when you carry uh, Masamune, that's not the name of the sword, it's the name of its crafter. The hero's bow, the bow that the hero made. Possibly. 
I can definitely see, yeah, the, the first version of the bow in Skyward Sword kind of looks like the fairy's bow. And likewise, in Wind Waker, and, and definitely in, in uh, Twilight Princess, but in Skyward Sword, Link probably upgraded that sucker, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, to the sacred bow. So, I mean, unless it reverted, it's probably a different bow by then. I would say it's most likely to me that the hero's bow just means the bow made for the hero. The Twilight Princess one is explicitly described as having once belonged to a hero from the past. That one is totally Ocarina of Time's Link's bow. That's the kind of story that Twilight Princess was. Yeah. Yeah. Other ones, I'm more open to the possibility that something else. And Skyward Sword, I think it's a pretty easy argument since everything in that game was built around being made for the hero, that the hero's bow in that specific instance was made for the hero. So I, I think that the hero's bow there, I mean, it's possible that the hero's bow in uh, Twilight Princess and Wind Waker are the same bow that originally was called the fairy bow, but that's not every instance of it. Maybe after Skyward Sword Link died, his bow just uh, teleported to the Tower of the Gods. And just decustomized. <laughs> yeah, let's get, get all the those, uh, let's factory reset this bow. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, because it's called the Fairy's Bow, if you think about Twilight Princess, the boomerang had a fairy in it that oh. spoke like once. <laughs> so maybe there's a bow, a fairy in the bow too. Because back in the day, arrows didn't fall with gravity like they do in later Zelda titles. So maybe the fairy magic of the fairy's bow was simply that the arrows would fly perfectly straight. Which is an indication of sacredness. It's a crazy, crazy blessing to have. Great power for a fairy to put into a bow if we want to go in that direction. The bow is found in the sand ship, right? Yes. So it's just hanging out next to uh, one of the sacred fires, the goddesses themselves. Pretty much. Pr probably a pretty sick bow, then. The bow's there because Link needed it at the time to hit the targets. That's all. <laughs> but yes, it is definitely a very sick bow. It's uh, it, it's torque or whatever the hell is hella high number. Monica, are you suggesting that, like, Hylia is watching Link and she's like, uh, what, does this, what does this kid need in this dungeon? Uh, ooh, sound, like, sounds like a bow? I'll put a bow in this chest? Yep. But she I went think back. That's, just, that's all of Skyward Sword. <laughs> she went back in time and put it in the chest and back in time, so it was always there. Yeah, basically. I think that that's just canon for Skyward Sword, though. Everything is built around getting Link to do specific things and learn specific skills. But she doesn't know which one she needs until she sees the dungeon. And what, Very Link's, possible. what Link's struggling with. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah, we'll go with that. Well, how else would Link hit, you know, the the target crystal thing on the mast when he's caged up inside the ship? Yeah. A slingshot? That's a far distance. Th throws a rock good. A hoyoi pair so he can control a seagull to hit into it. Yeah, yeah. Lots of options. Hilly has options. She went with the bow. Yeah, she likes the bow. She thinks that Men with bows are hot. Yeah. She's not wrong. She's definitely <laughs> guiding her decisions. Like, mm, if this Link had a claw shot, he'd be pretty cool. If he could double Spider-Man his way across the entire landscape, I would like watching that. She, she, while she was contemplating, she went too far forward and saw Twilight Prince as like, hmm, 
Link looks pretty good with a claw shot, but what if he had two? Yeah. I'm into this characterization of uh, fangirl Hylia leaving items for Link. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's sort of like uh, it's sort of like what you were trying to get at with Sia. Only it's a lot funnier. Yeah, that does happen with the uh, Hyrule Ver- Hyrule Warriors version of Hylia Sia. Oh, you're not wrong. That is kind of what they did in that game. Is anyway. there, do you think there's a reason Fi doesn't recognize Sia? Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Maybe she does, and she just doesn't bring it up. It's not relevant. Like, She's oh. a robot, you know. She's like, oh, awkward. There is a 15% chance that this conversation will rupture the entire timeline again. Okay. It's your turn to read an email, Kim. Oh, is it? Who, who am I reading? Theory, maybe. Okay. So, this is coming from... It's not signed, so I'll use the um, Google name, which is Jeff. Hey, long-time listener, have listened to every episode to date, and every episode has been fantastic, save for bleeping spoilers about things. Well, I mean, like, I can bleep more things, but you sort of come into this knowing that there's going to be that there's gonna be uh, spoilers. That's kind of our whole deal. I thought that was too many bleeps, bleeping oh. the spoilers. Oh, but bleeping's funny. It's pretty funny. Uh, I guess it's a taste thing. It can be read both ways. That's fair, Jeff. That's fair. Two things. One... What if some of the so-called Hylians are actually Zonai in Breath of the Wild and nobody knows it? That would be interesting. And in Breath of the Wild 2, or whatever the final product's name is, you have to find documents written by the Zonai with secrets on how to kill Ganon again. Not for the last time, of course, but again. Second, and you may have re- received this theory already, but in Majora's Mask, what if, like Sia and Lana, oh, oh my god, how does it keep coming back around to this? The fairest deity and Majora are two... Just two entities that split apart. If that's true, then what was the cause of the split? When was said split, and how long between the split and what happens in-game? I would appreciate your thoughts on this, and keep up the great content. P.S. Your timeline makes a whole lot of sense, and thank you for it. I have the timeline saved on my laptop, so that I may read it whenever I please. P.P.S. Here's a Zelda joke or two. I'm not going to read those. Uh, Crystal, you can have them. We'll do it at the end. I haven't even looked at it. Yeah, there's there's a good one here. I'll use one of those. Yay! Yay! What 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 what's your take on that uh, that first one there, Crystal? Oh, I do love the idea of the Zonai being kind of like the secret brotherhood of Hashishin, existing throughout the ages in the shadows, leaving secret documents uh, for for those who deserve to find them. Is this Assassin's Creed? That's Assassin's Creed. Okay. I read what ends up happening in the latest Assassin's Creed. <laughs> What's your take on it? We can cut this out. What's your take on it? Uh, really zany? It's pretty zany. It's pretty good in my opinion. But hey, that guy. It sounds like he. But I mean, he wore into like, right? That's a good thing. What's your take, Crystal? Wait, which guy are you talking about? She's talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They've been building. They've been hinting at being for some time but i'm glad they finally pulled the trigger on it i'm glad they did anything because i kind of anything done nothing for a while you sort of went in assuming that they wouldn't right right because they haven't but now they have now now they they hit the baseball so i think that when it comes time for this i'm going to like 
not cut out the entire conversation. I'm just going to cut around it so that it sounds really confusing when I bleep parts out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Depending on whether Jeffrey meant that they liked the beeps <laughs> or didn't like the beeps, um, that part will be great or not great. It just depends. I think we were open to Breath of the Wild Link being like somewhat Zonai to begin with. As an explanation for how wildly powerful he is. Yeah. But, Crystal, the one that you're suggesting suggests that their Zonai isn't an ethnicity, it's a creed. Yeah. I like that. I like Zonai as an organization. And because there's very few creeds in The Legend of Zelda that aren't explicitly linked to, to ethnicity. Like the, uh, the, the Resistance in Twilight Princess. Yeah. We, we did mull about that, too, for the Zonai, because I remember us talking about, like, dragon dragon uh, revering peoples and worshippers of the hero or something or other. We'd have to re-listen to our Breath of the Wild episodes. That's like 12 hours. Okay, I will just vaguely allude to this. Okay. Um, the Fierce Deity and Majora as a split-apart entity... I am resistant to considering Majora or the Fierce Deity as entities as such. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, pr- I prefer to think of them as uh, manifestations of feelings of the people of Termina. That are just channeled through two masks? Yeah, there, there is never a person or an entity named Majora. Majora is just what you call the thing that happens... When a mask absorbs so much suffering that it starts to think. In a way, the Calamity is like the Hyrulean version of Majora, in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. They have about the same level of personality, too. It's just that we don't see the Calamity filtered through somebody like Skull Kid, so it doesn't talk quite as much. Right. I'm thinking of, like, if Majora... Well, no. That part with the under the tree on the moon was really more Skull Kid than Majora. I think so. Otherwise, I'd say like between order and chaos and so on, it'd be sort of like the gods in, in Fire Emblem, the Fire. GameCube <laughs> emblems. Something I love to guess in any work of fiction where it's like good guys versus bad guys is which one represents the order and which one is the chaos. Oh, I hate this shit. Because, you know, they, they can switch that up. Sometimes good guys are chaos, sometimes they're order. Uh, you can usually tell how... You can t- often tell either how thoughtful or in which direction an author leads, depending on how they write the order versus chaos uh, <laughs> dynamic. Uh, I... We should have never allowed people to believe that order versus chaos is like good versus evil, but smarter. You see, it's the weird thing about it is that I think that order versus chaos was popularized in science fiction and fantasy by Michael Moorcock, in which they were specifically and explicitly separated from good and evil. There were stories in which the Eternal Champion worked for the side of order, and there were stories in which the Eternal Champion worked on the side of chaos, depending on the needs of the story or the needs of the society in which they were moving. And, you know, it wasn't always the most thought-out thing, but it was definitely a lot more than like, ah, chaos is cancer, or like, ah, order is like a big crystal. Not crystal who we're talking to now, crystal like the... Uh, Stagnation. Yeah, the geometric structure. 
I think Fire Emblem the GameCubes did well. Yeah, but those were the same character, just split in two parts. Yeah. That's not... I don't know if that fits with the Fierce Deity and Majora. But this goes with Jeffrey's question. That's true. I guess I'm resistant to the idea. I could see how you might read it that way and that they... You might see them as two vessels made from the same mold. If uh, if there was a split, I would say the split happens when the skull when the giants left the skull kid, and oh. and uh, Majora skull kid started having more Majora like feelings instead of fierce like feelings. That's very possible. In us lives two do- wolves: the fierce deity and Majora. Oh God! Which one do you feed? Which one do you feed? It's okay for stories to just be about good versus evil sometimes, I think. I think that's more honest. I think often it's more honest. Like order versus chaos, it sounds like... You're right, Crystal. It's just taking good versus evil, but trying to make yourself, the author, sound smarter. Obviously, chaos is better. Well, I mean, like, if we play Shin Megami Tensei 4, where chaos ends in, like, a really stratified society where some people are, like, regularly enslaved or cannibalized and the bad end of order is there's not a lot of resources but everyone's working together it's like what the fuck is this chaos you know you get to have hell parties and you know hell can throw some parties yeah it can throw some parties that's true the problem is the person that you're taking as drugs i feel like that might have been a thing in that version of the setting god I really like that game, but if you do more, like, you scratch that game, and it starts looking a lot weirder. That's the story of Shin Megami Tensei. It's kind of, it st- looks pretty cool on the surface, but if you scratch at it, it kind of falls apart. And now, yeah, as a surface-level thing, visually a fine video game. That's <laughs> not true. <laughs> I don't even know if that's true. Those games are ugly as shit, but in a pleasing way. Whistle writes in. This is a short one. What are all your thoughts on the ghost ship in Wind Waker? The thing still creeps me out, especially the face emblem in the back by the chest. That and a menacing laugh when Link recovers the Triforce chart slash shard. And afterwards, it just disappears. It's gone. What is this thing? Um, Ocarina of Time Zelda really liked the Forest Temple. We did decide on that, didn't we? Yeah. What's your take, Crystal? Yeah, she 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 just loved haunted houses. She wanted to make a haunted house. It's like, well, I'm busy with this Triforce thing. What if I combined my projects? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but seriously, what's your take? I mean, she gathered up all the pose. It's like, <laughs> I'm you know, I'm sorry about that war that my dad did. Uh, but I'll give a new purpose for you. Why don't you pilot the ship and guard the Triforce? And the pose are like, fucking sick. Hell it's yeah. It's a great place to hide a Triforce shard. Yeah. Like, it. nobody wants to approach it. And even if they did, they couldn't really. And then, but it, re, it appears at very set points according to the phases of the moon. So a heroic person could locate it. It's like, can y'all keep this Triforce shard away from Ganon? And they do the little Poe laugh and like, yeah, we can. Don't worry about it. Yeah, they'd be into it. They get to be pirates. That's awesome. That's way better than just like wandering Hyrule Field. Yeah. Singing songs all the time. Whenever people manage to get onto the ship, they get to grab them and throw them overboard. 
See, that's how you make an alliance with the Poes. You give them a cool <laughs> job. And let them be the things they want to be in the first place. And tell them they're really important because they're guarding the Triforce, which makes them really important. Yeah. Trust them. That's the big thing. You have to trust the people that you work with. Yeah. Next email is from Sebastian. Hello, Book of Medora podcast. Even though I'm comparatively new to your podcast as I join Mid-Breath of the Wild, this podcast has come to me come to be my favorite podcast, which is saying a lot since I listen to a lot of podcasts. That's really sweet. That's and nice. We, we got a lot of tweets mentioning just how often we're listened to on Spotify, which is really, really heartwarming. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you to everyone who added Crystal or Cameron, and I did see it too. Thanks. Um, I saw that you guys might be returning to this show, so I figured that I may send a couple of questions your way. I would do this on Twitter, but, well, I don't have Twitter. That's for the best, Sebastian. Kind of puts a block in my path. My first question is in regards to the newest Zelda title, Cadence of Hyrule. Are you guys going to do an episode on this game? I've heard good things about this game, although there are people who like Adventure of Link, my least favorite Zelda title. Is this game canon? I'd figure not, but it would be nice to have your opinion if you're willing. Question numero de is in concern of one of my favorite bosses that appears in one of my least favorite games, Twilight Princess. Cameron, correct me if I'm incorrect, pondered the theory that what we know as Stalord was the guardian of the temple or the mirror of twilight. I went back to the room and noted that above the entrance to the room, the Hylian crest appears. This is just another example of the Arbiter's grounds being built over. I feel like I should know the answer to this next question, but do read anything into do you read anything into the DLC items in Breath of the Wild, such as Majora's Mask or Phantom Ganon's armor? Personally, I believe most of these items are mere replicas, but Majora's Mask struck me. Even if it's just a replica, how come the majority, no pun intended, of the Calamity's minions recognize it as one of their own? Or it can just be non-canon? To be honest, that's the simplest explanation that my simple brain can just come up with. Sorry if these questions are too easy. I was going to send you some questions earlier before you answered them. Anyways, keep up the good work, uh, Medora crew. I'm a go now. I feel like all three of these questions are specifically aimed at certain brands of this podcast bullshit. We've got Monica for the first, me for the second, and I can almost hear Crystal vibrating at that third one. <laughs> That's very thoughtful. Uh, one at a time, uh, Cadence of Hyrule. Does that game have Crystal a story G- to speak of? I haven't played it. It it uh, it has a story, so to speak, but it's very it's very thin. It's much thinner than any of the mainline Zelda titles, including the NES games. Uh, it's sort of fading my memory because these things just don't stick in my memory very well. But there's a conductor guy was named Maestro or something, something like that. And Ganondorf is there as a young Gerudo, Gerudo and. The maestro guy was doing everything to thwart Ganon. But he fucked up. But he fucked up. when he got defeated, Ganon. Ganon showed up and was like, hey. Yeah. That's about it. I mean, that really could happen anywhere. <laughs> well, I, I think that to answer the question, we we agreed we probably wouldn't do an episode on it. Yeah? Yes. I remember that, Crystal. Do you remember that? I remember that. Okay. It, it does have a story, but it hasn't got a lot of lore to it. And I would argue that if it is canon, it's a very soft canon. 
but it's probably not canon. It doesn't have the Legend of Zelda ahead of it. That that's true, but that doesn't stop every game without the Legend of Zelda. Ahead well, of we it. haven't gotten to any game where that might not apply yet. Fair enough. So far, Monica's law still holds. As to the second question concerning uh, Stalord possibly being the original guardian of the Arbiter's Ground, that sounds exactly like the kind of bullshit I would say. That's that's just me. Um, I, I think that probably that part of the temple was built over, and Stalord has all those weapons in him because the Hylians did him bad. It was probably the original guardian of the temple, uh, a beast loyal to the Gerudo who fought to the last before their people fell to the Hylians. Works for me. That works for me. Now, what do you make of this third question here, Crystal? You know, it's pretty hard for something to not be canon in Zelda. Yeah. Hyrule Warriors really fucked up to be declared non-canon by us. Yeah. Like, Cadence of Hyrule could be canon. Why not? Why not? We almost declared the cartoon canon. We almost did. Almost. Ugh. Is Link actually wearing Majora's mask? Did he actually did it actually appear to him? Sure, why not? I remember you saying this in the past, Crystal. Anything that you can get in that game is canonical. Yeah, why not? Uh, I mean, even if it's not strictly Majora's mask, the original item, it could still be a curse mask. Well, I mean, even if it is the original item, that original item has no more power. Right, that's true. It was cleansed of all evil and is now merely a mask. There's no real reason it couldn't be the same one. That Twilight Princess bow totally shot light arrows. It super does. And you can use it for the end battle. You sure can. It seems to be the bow of light that Zelda uses at the end of Twilight Princess. Similarly, you get the Sword of Six Sages that Ganondorf drops when he dies at the end of Twilight Princess. The Big Orin Sword... Which the Big Orin said would never break, but is by now so old that it's corroded enough to explode in Link's hands, just like any other weapon. All the DLC items in Breath of the Wild are Hylia looking at Breath of the Wild and being like, Hmm, I, I like this Link a lot. I just want to give him random shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Random shit if some outside force happened to have a sigil of this random shit. I mean, the amiibo rune is a thing on the Sheikah Slate. You can see it. Yes. You can ride Epona to do final battle against the Dark Beast Ganon. Is Epona canon? Is Epona canon, Crystal? Yeah, Hylia is playing Breath of the Wild in her Nintendo (laughs) Wii U, and she reaches over to her desk and uh, (laughs) takes the the Epona amiibo and puts it on her Wii U gamepad, and then Link has it. Okay, so when it comes to, say, the Switch version of the game... Uh, Hylia takes the Switch shirt that she won in a Nintendo Dream contest and just leaves it in a chest for Link, and that's where he gets the Switch shirt from. Well, yeah, I mean, she does live in the uh, the Fashion Kingdom. Oh, my dear <laughs> sweet Jesus. Abort! Abort! I walked into this one all over abort. again. Abort! Uh, okay, yeah, we'll go with Got that. Got it from her cousin Styla. Fuck! I was going to make a joke about after the credits roll, she takes it back and Link's wonders where it gone. She's just standing there smelling it. I don't know why I'm making Hylia into more and more of a creeper over the course of time, but it's very funny to me. <laughs> no. Zelda is her, she created a character, she modded it into the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Uh, shall we move on from this email? Okay, sure thing. I think that we've covered each of those points as best we can. I think you're up, Crystal. Okay. 
Uh, John writes in, Dear Crystal, Monica, and Cameron, I just wanted to write to say thank you for putting together this incredible podcast. I can't imagine the amount of time you guys spent on this between creating the content, editing, and everything else. I stumbled across your podcast last summer one day when I was feeling extra nostalgic and looking for some Legend of Zelda music on Spotify, and I just recently finished all the episodes. I personally love the accursed timeline theory you guys came up with, and I've always had a problem with the fallen hero timeline. I always thought of Link, the hero of time, being a badass in every sense of the word, and being capable of fighting off swarms of enemies, demons, monsters, and dragons. Couldn't just die like that. Although he does in the backstory of Twilight Princess, but in defense he doesn't have the Master Sword. I apologize for the length of this email, but I just wanted to tell you guys that listening to your podcast, you brought me back to a game and a series that I used to love. I started my Legend of Zelda experience with Ocarina of Time back in 1999 when I was five years old. Oh my god. <laughs> Younger than Crystal. Younger than me. Wow. I was six. When I played through games as a kid, I thoroughly enjoyed the games, but I never did the side quests or really anything that was pertinent to the main quest, not realizing how much I missed out between the extra story, the lore, and just additional content. But I still really loved the games, and I played them over and over. After finding the Book of Medora podcast, it inspired me to go back and start replaying some of these games I hadn't touched in years, in a way I hadn't before, and play the games to their full extent. Mainly just because growing up, I just didn't have the time that I used to have for video games like I used to. So I went and got my GameCube from my parents' house and my Legend of Zelda Collector's Edition and fired it up. Jesus. I got the same feelings I got when I first played it. And it brought me back to the day I first smacked the cartridge into our N64 and saw Link and Epona ride across the screen. The flow of time is always cruel, though its speed seems different for each person. No one can change it. The only thing that stays the same is a memory of younger days. I read this line a million times as a kid and it never meant much. Now I'm 25, about to have a daughter of my own. This line means so much and really hits home. It's incredible how much a video game in a series like Legend of Zelda can really affect us in our childhood and have an impact throughout our lives. I hope I don't sound corny, but you guys really helped me grasp a huge piece of my childhood. And where I'm at in my life, I find that priceless. I'm sad that Book of Medora is basically over, save for a few more episodes, hopefully when Breath of the Wild 2 comes out, because I really enjoyed listening to you guys talk through all the different aspects of the games, and coming up with new ideas and theories, and piecing things together in a way I would have never thought of. I hope that you guys will reconvene someday to discuss another game, and dive into it like you have for The Legend of Zelda. Again, I apologize for the length of this email, but I can't thank you guys enough for doing what you have done, and I wish you all the best in everything you do. Hope to hear from you again soon. Sincerely, John S. Oh, thank, thank you, John. John. That's very sweet. Yeah, that's... Very nice message. That is meaningful. And six months later... Well, <laughs> I mean... John probably has a child now. John probably have a baby. Congratulations, Congratulations. John. Congratulations on the baby that probably was born before we read this email. Definitely. I... I often think of uh, lines that I read a million times as a kid that were meaningless because I was a kid who didn't know anything. And I'm like, hmm, damn, that hits. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I had sort of a similar experience playing through Mario 64 a couple of months back. I, I haven't played it since like 1996 or 1997. And I was eight or nine when I first played through it. But that game... It's really much more clever and funny than I remember it being when I was a kid because nothing, everything just slid off of me while I was playing it. 
But the thing that I'm really glad about from this is the way that John talks about this reigniting his affection for the Zelda series, because that's sort of a similar thing that the show has done for me. It's deepened my affection and appreciation for a lot of what these games do, and I'm very happy that we could communicate some small part of that feeling to other people. Yeah, that's also true for me. I I like Zelda more now than when we started, and I liked it when we started. That's good. I'm glad that it didn't end up like the MCU movies. (laughs) (laughs) listen i like those movies yeah they're fine they're They're okay visually fine films uh, the old ones were they they look like shit now oh where's the cutoff point did did ragnarok and black panther look like shit uh i think maybe age of ultron was the cutoff point ouch it's true that they're a lot less visually dynamic and distinct from each other now. There are a lot of parts of Black Panther that look like shit. There are a lot of parts that look really good because they built sets. And then sometimes it's just, I don't know, here's a bunch of CGI. Yeah, here's a train. The mining end fight sequence was kind of rough. Visually. Visually. Hmm. Legend of Zelda games, visually a fine film. Yeah, they always look good. They always look good for the medium in which they're there. Book of Medora is never really over. We, we might have slowed down our schedule, but, you know, uh, as long as you keep on sending in email, we will have mailbag episodes, maybe six months later. As long as there's games with weird lore, we will probably maybe touch on them. And sometimes we just do Elder Scrolls episodes or Bloodborne episodes. That's what I mean by weird lore. Oh, yeah. Okay. What's the next side, the next Book of Medora guy den we want to do? Uh, the mysterious and unresearchable gift of arms. That's a good one. That's a good one. I'm halfway thinking that me and Monica should let you talk us through Assassin's Creed. Oh, I would love that. Yes, please. <laughs> Ask me anything. Ask me anything about Assassin's Creed. Okay. Well, that's definitely going in the probably at some point pile. Is Assassin's Creed one of those series that are pretty consistent in terms of their narrative quality throughout? I would say it's inconsistent, and the highest one is not that good. Oh, okay. That sounds perfect for this podcast, then. (laughs) 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 Oh, I shouldn't talk shit. How many more do we want to do? Well, we're still going. We're in June. Going for about an hour. I could go for another 30, and then we'll see how we feel. Okay, sure thing. Is this one you or me? Me. Okay. This next email is from Tomas. Hey guys, I just started listening to the podcast five episodes in and I'm already a fan. I do have one question. I hope this doesn't come off as offensive. Why haven't you guys beaten all of the Zelda games though? Especially before podcasting an episode about it. You're giving the series its definite respect by knowing so much of the storyline and history, but when you say you haven't beaten some of the games, it's kind of confusing. Why not? especially on the shorter games like Link's Awakening and Oracle games. Also, at the end of Link's Awakening, Cameron says the Windfish is a dick for leaving Link out in the ocean to die. But I think the Windfish appearing over Link is... after Link is awoken kind of implies he is going to watch over Link back to safety. Link risks his life for the Windfish. He will probably repay him. Do you agree? Tomas. Hmm. Well... The reason is because games are long and hard. <laughs> I mean, taking, taking these in order... 
games are long and hard. I do need it said that I did go back and beat Link's Awakening, and I did get a pretty far way into Oracle of Seasons. I've played all of them. Yeah, Monica's got them all. She covers- I've completed all of them. But where Tomas is- Yes, that's true. I'm not even part of the podcast yet. Right. Uh, Not the CDI games, because they are not canon and they look (laughs) god-awful. God, and did. I just don't have that time to commit it. But we, d- we did an episode on that. Surely you will forgive me for that one. <laughs> Let me put it this way. There's a lot of ways to interface with the text. Uh-huh. And sometimes that's through Zelda Gamepedia and YouTube Long Plays. <laughs> yeah. I think YouTube Long Plays in particular and the really nice downloadable PDFs of all the manuals that you got for having an NES Classic or SNES Classic, th- those are great for getting story content from those games. Yeah. Hey, shout out to all no commentary YouTube long players. Absolutely. Fantastic. Excellent. You do excellent work. I appreciate it every time I search no commentary and it's right there. So vital. It's so good. And even if you do play through the games, I mean, I don't remember like my, my experience with the Oracle games was at least five years ago, if not more. So you're going to need to rewatch parts of those and scan through the text dumps and so on. There's a lot. If you want. Oh, but, yes. You know, also, you sh- shout out to all text dumpers, especially yes. when they organize it uh, uh, in easy to search format. Just fantastic. Um, and I think there is stuff of value. Like, I really appreciated going through, you know, Four Swords Adventures again. Um, though the great majority of that was just, you know, reminding myself through the long plays we and the dumps. So you don't absolutely need to. And some of those games are rather hard to trace down. I've spent like five years psyching myself up, ready to sit down for a real adventure of Link playthrough. But every time I get ready for it, I go, man, I could just play something else. I use save states. That is not as long and not as hard as that goddamn game is. <laughs> Like, I could use a full-blown strategy guide. and I, Safe states. I, I would use safe states regardless. Every I could play that shit on my Switch. It got nothing but safe states. Play that shit on the NES Classic that I've got in the closet. Nothing but safe states. I, I would use safe states. Believe you me. Yeah. The game needs an update. I don't know if it does. So, I could definitely... Zelda 2 Remake. If we could do like Zelda 2 Remake, where both Re and Make are capitalized, and it's like changing the events of Zelda 2, that I'd be into. No, just like, you know, put a save system in there, you know, change a little bit of graphics, not too much. Don't mess them up. Maybe increase the amount of text in the game. A little bit. Make it, yeah. Make it like the Link's Awakening remake. A little toy box. I think that fits better for Link's Awakening. Yeah. What if you made? What if you made like a like a three D open world Link's Link's adventure, and Link was like badass, and he had like a beard, and it was like Skyrim, and it was an RPG, and you had choices, and you could romance characters, and you could equip nine hundred cheese wheels and just let them fly, and it was an MMO. And it, it would be the forever game. That would be... God. <laughs> Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link, online. <laughs> you have sent me back in time with this bullshit. God, 
Do you remember, like, I know you remember, I'm saying, do you remember, like, just as a way to segue into this, do you remember when people, before Breath of the Wild was revealed, when they would not shut the fuck up about making Zelda like Dark Souls to revive the brand? I mean, that'd be pretty sick, though. I can't <laughs> lie. <laughs> that would be pretty sick. I think there is potentially something in doing an open world not open you know like sort of the breath of the wild world zelda 2 it's very big and spread out and if you are one of those players that could enjoy just you know traveling and experiencing adventures as they come not part of the story that that might be nice eh? i think that'd be fine yeah. i think that rather than remaking adventure of link i'd like a new game made in that style, maybe by a team like Team Cherry or Yacht Club Games, who are very good at making side-scrolling platform puzzle exploration games, the search action games, if you will. Now we're cooking foil. Yeah. Yeah, the Windfish probably, like, it, it, Link is probably fine at the end of Link's Awakening. He's fine. Don't worry about it. I think, was that a joke that we made about the Windfish being a huge dick? I I don't know if the Windfish is going to save Link. <laughs> but, yeah, even if the Windfish does help Link, he's still just drifting on that plywood. Like, like it, it's the next scene that the Windfish touches Can't give him down, a fucking ride. And then Link, like, jumps up onto the Windfish, and they sort of just free Willy into the distance. Like, is that how you think free Willy into it? I don't know. <laughs> to be clear, Only not- with the boys on top of the whale. The, not out of malice, just like, I, yeah, I don't know. Link seems like a capable guy. He'll probably be fine, the Windfish thinks. It doesn't even occur to him to give him a ride. Yeah, of course. Like, he, he doesn't consider it and say, no, I hate Link and will not give him a ride. He just doesn't think of it. Right. Link's a good dude, the Windfish thinks to himself. I sure am looking forward to meeting him again in the future after he gets home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's just, that's the windfish. Like, what? He's a god. Why would he even think of this sort of thing? Humans, humans can swim, right? That's that's something humans can do. I'm ninety percent sure of that. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. He's got Rock's cape. <laughs> Does he? <laughs> I I don't know. I think that was a dream item. I'll I'll leave him Rock's cape. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. Oh Jesus! Jackson's hit us with a big one from Jackson. What are your top dungeons from each Zelda game? Feel free to skip Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. We will not. Top dungeons. Okay, let's go through the games in order, and we'll each name one dungeon. Sure. Okay, let me Is that pull okay? up the list, yeah. Oh, are you pulling up a list of dungeons? Yeah. I don't okay. remember every dungeon from every game. I gotta have a little reference. Yeah, that's fair. Why don't you go ahead and send me the list? <laughs> Cameron was looking furtively around. I mean, who could who who could reasonably remember all these dungeons? Oh, good. They're divided by game. How lovely. Thanks, Zelda.Fandom.com. I have no opinion on the first game's dungeons. Oh, uh, fuck the one with like a million whiz ropes and the, 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 the Lynels. Oh, level six? Sure, yes. Recently, Not I've, that one. Recently, I've been playing this little game you might have heard of called uh, Rogue. God. From 1980. Yep. I'm kind of looking at the Zelda dungeons in the context of Rogue. They're like, oh, this is just like a designed level of Rogue. But you know what? Sometimes I like the randomized levels more. 
Ooh. You know what? I feel that because I, I'm going to be the big heretic on this one. I like the dungeons in Persona 4 more than the dungeons in Persona 5. That's absurd. <laughs> How could you possibly think that? I, I thought you were going to use this moment to encourage Crystal to play Hades. No, 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 no. Crystal will get around to Hades or she won't. It that it doesn't matter. That's hers. It's her experience to have or not have. There must be experience. a mod for Zelda 1 that that makes it a roguelike, right? I'm sure that exists. Um, Yeah, I'm sure that there is a randomizer. Yeah, absolutely. It randomizes the dungeon layouts too? That I don't know. Yeah, that's what I want. Why are you so confused about my persona opinion? The Dungeons Persona 4 fucking suck. Would it would it be easier to swallow if I said that I liked the randomized elements of Persona 5 better than the bespoke elements? I I don't know. I don't I don't think the dungeons in Shin Megami Tensei games are very good, even within the genre. Generally speaking, I would tend to agree. Which of which of the first Zelda games dungeons do you like best, Crystal? Yeah, they do kind of all blend together for me, just like for Monica. Uh, four. I like four. I like yellow. I like nine. I like Death Mountain. It is tough. It is the kind where you almost want to draw your own map. Zelda 2. I like the Great Palace. That is a great song. It's got to be the Great Palace. Yeah, Great Palace with the bullet. Zelda 3. Triforce of the Gods. Yes. Uh, I think it might be know. Hyrule Castle for me. Really? Why Hyrule Castle? I just remember when I played it, I felt like this was this felt climactic. It's like, yeah, I'm I'm going I'm a, a, assaulting the castle, fighting the guards, going to kill the wizard and save the princess. And but it happened like a third of the way through the game. Yeah, that's fair. What about you, Monica? Um, at the moment, I am thinking fondly about the thieves' town, um, and the whole thing with blind. That was kind of fun. That is a, a bit unusual. That is very good. Um, normally, I like going for the later dungeons, but like any uh, dungeon in Link to the Past that has uh, Moldorm in it sucks ass. <laughs> so I got to drop that one. I guess I kind of like the Ice Palace in Link to the Past. It's dropping mechanics, especially with regards to blocks, are very good. Link's Awakening? Anywhere except Eagle's Tower. Final dungeon, I suppose. I like Eagle's Tower because it had some really baffling puzzles with the um, hitting the the pillars. And down. this was good to you. Yes, it was great. Real stompers. No, it's bullshit. <laughs> uh, but I really like the music in the face shrine. I'll give it to the face shrine just for the soundtrack. Yeah. Also, the bottle grotto because the boss says you have made me hopping mad. <laughs> while while bottle. while it's hopping around. Yeah. <clears throat> Now, how about Ocarina of Time? Well, that's got to be the Spirit Temple. Monica just did her thing where it's like, now I must choose between my children. It's hard to say. I'd say I hate that there's wall masters there, but I really like the Forest Temple. It's really beautiful in a lot of parts. It's really mysterious and evokes a lot of wonderful feelings. I have a very similar feeling with regards to the Forest Temple just because of the way that it's tied into like Sari and whatnot, but Spirit Temple would be number two with a bullet. Yeah. The Forest Temple is a really good first dungeon for the second half of the game. Yes. It sets mm-hmm. the tone Fantastic. well. Would 
No, sorry, Majora's Mask. Majora's Mask. Well, Stone Tower, easy. Stone Tower had the best song, and it was hard. And if you include the lead up to, like, the Beneath the Well, it's quite a gauntlet. Um, Yeah. I have to ask the two of you, um, do we count the Deku Nut Palace as being part of the Woodfall Temple? Sort of. Because it does have a stealth section. I I would say so. What's that, Crystal? That feels like a preamble. Because, like... But then on the other hand, Woodfall Temple itself is really bland, but I love the Deku Nut Palace. Can I just say the Deku Nut Palace? Yeah. Woodfall Temple is like five minutes long. (laughs) Yeah. Which means three in-game days. (laughs) Uh, Oracle of Ages? I I got nothing. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Jabu Jabu Belly. Um, I'm just trying to refresh my memory here. These really aren't eye-catching. Like the Mermaid's Cave, I guess. Um, or uh, I guess just the Black Tower and it slowly being built up. But, yeah, Oracle of Seasons. These are just basically the first game. That's true. I will pick Onox as <laughs> Castle. Dancing Dragon. That's a good name for a book. I have no opinion on these. Wind Waker? Mm, not great dungeons in this one. Uh, generally speaking, yeah, I'd agree. I think that probably the best one for me might be the Wind Temple, actually. Yeah, Wind stuff is fun. Or else Dragon Roost Cavern. Yeah. Like, they really led with the strong part. Yeah, my uh, Dragon Roost or Forbidden Woods, the early dungeons feel better to me. I, I feel that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the Tower of the Gods, uh, partially because it's so big, at least from the outside, and you sail into it. You sail up around, even though it's like slow because there's no wind in there. Yeah. So that kind of, you know, dreary. But I liked exploring the setting. I like the idea of Link just opening the fast sail inside and just smashing himself into a wall. I think that's what I did. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. He's, he's, like a, he's like a teen learning to drive and he just slams the pedal. Yeah, absolutely. Why would he do anything else? The Legend of Zelda. Four Swords Adventures. Uh, you tell me. <laughs> I got no strong opinion on this one. Um, They also weren't very eye-catching. I guess I like the thematicness of like the Tower Winds and the Palace of Winds. I'll go with the Pyramid. Being on the clouds. Pyramid. They did that for a few games, and I, I like that. Minish Cap. All the tiny ones. Yeah, I think I might have to go with number one again, Deepwood Shrine. Where you fight the one Chu as a boss? Yep. That was a good that was a good gimmick. Yeah. Now here's one where the first dungeon may not necessarily be the best one. The Legend of Zelda, Twilight Princess. Oof. There's good dungeons yeah, in this game. Yeah. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, no, no, it's it's you're right. Snow Peak and the Arbiter's Grounds. I think City in the Sky for me. That one was weird. They were all sort of weird. I kind of like the Temple of Time. Oh, yeah. Temple of Time is nice, too. The City in the Sky, for me, felt like there should have been something more. It kind of felt empty. I don't know. I think that it was supposed to feel empty, though. It's this barren place. But there's a lot of people living there. They're fine. I know. They don't interact with you. Yeah, don't worry about it. Phantom Hourglass. Now, this might be a bit controversial, but it's the Temple of the Ocean King. 
It cannot be anything else. It has to be the Temple of the Ocean King. Uh-huh. The Ocean King Temple is so good. Especially because you can keep getting deeper and deeper into it faster and faster. All as the you, shortcuts. You unlock shortcuts with your new items every time you come back to it. It's shit so good. The Ocean King is genuinely one of the very best dungeons in the entire series. Yeah, why did everyone complain about it? They should make more dungeons like it. A dungeon you return more- to and go deeper and deeper. God! Oh, what if Breath of the Wild 2's equivalent of Hyrule Castle is like that? Yeah, Hyrule Castle should have been like that. You should have gone there, like, at the beginning, gotten, like, two floors in, get your ass kicked, you have to leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, that could be really good. Actually, yeah. Like, you run into a powered-up version of the Blight because they're stronger inside Hyrule Castle, whereas they're weaker if you fight them on the Divine Beasts. There we go. So, so you're incentivized to go fight them on the Divine Beast, or you can come fight the strongest version of them if you want to beat the game fast. Damn, that's good. Spirit tracks. Well, same answer. The uh, the Tower of Spirits. These weren't as eye catching to me. They were more to me. Yeah. You only played it once. I think I did it twice. I think the Sand Temple is my pick. I do remember approaching the Sand Temple. The Sand Wand is very fun. Yes. Skyward Sword had great dungeons. Skyward Sword had pretty good dungeons. Every dungeon in this game is an all-timer, in my opinion. That, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. It's the best one. It's, it, um, hmm. Cistern's kind of the one that stuck around in the consciousness. It is, because it's got all that story and metaphor just woven into it. That's the one where if anybody wants to do a uh, subtext 101 reading of Skyward Sword, they go straight to the ancient cistern. Yeah, like you me. Can, you can go into a Buddha's. <laughs> what? Well. Am I maybe. wrong? <laughs> you do do that? You made me bleep out uh, Robbie sticking his. <laughs> should I bleep out going into Buddha's. <laughs> I think I should. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Is that is is that the element that's going to give us the ancient cistern win? I um I like Laneru mining facility. Honestly, I really like the lead up to that one. Oh yeah. yeah, it's so good, and it has such good music too. That's the thing about Skyward Sword is that every dungeon is actually like two dungeons. Yeah. Yeah. And Skyview Temple and the Earth Temple are actually really good. Yeah. I think. That- Outside of the Great Deku Tree, Skyview might be the best first dungeon in the series. Mm-hmm. Which is saying a lot, because first Zelda dungeons tend to be bangers. God, I don't know. Uh, I'll say Skykeep, because it's so mind-bending having to move all the rooms around. Yeah. I'll still go for Ancient Sister. How about you, Crystal? Uh, Laneru, Mining Facility. Mm. Those are... It, we could have said anything, and they all would have been great yeah. answers. Link Between Worlds. Time for another week one. Damn. <laughs> Ooh. God, this game, this is the one where I was like, oh, man, you can do dungeons any order. It's so much different, but every dungeon is still just based around one item. It's the same thing. It has to be even more based around one item because they can't guarantee you have the other items. Some of these had really good songs, like the Dark Palace. The Desert the Palace. The Desert Palace. Had amazing Yeah, music. so on those bases alone, and Low Rural Castle, I guess. Oh, yeah. Low Rural Castle's music's too... 
that progression. Turtle Rock is the one that comes to mind for me. That makes sense. How about you, Monica? Um, again, I, I don't want to singularly choose. It's the Dark Palace. I'll go with the Dark Palace then. Mm, it mm. was very dark, but like little shining gems and yeah, nice. I guess the Tower get- of Hera is good in 3D. True. But my answer is still Turtle Rock. In terms of the way that it deals with depth and layers, I think that Ice Ruins might be the most satisfying of these dungeons. But just based on the fact that you're helping around a jerk in the Desert Palace and they play around so much with your expectations as a veteran of Link to the Past, I'll give it to that one. Was it that one or the Thieves' Hideout? It was probably the Thieves' Hideout, actually. Because there was no twist. Okay. That was funny. I'll give it to the Desert Palace anyway. I'll pick it just for the music. Damn. Triforce Heroes. These were all basically the same. They were all the same. Some of the later ones were really hard doing on your own. We pick Triforce. Yeah, I bet they were, huh? You can't play with just two people. (sighs) Flaw in the system. Sure was. Uh, The Ruins was nice, I guess. Hard. I like the fortress of what I played. Yeah, the fortress was quite nice, too. Now, Crystal, what is your favorite dungeon in The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild? Oh, that would have to be the fortress. What? The Yiga Clan hideout? Oh, I thought you said Triforce Heroes. No, it's Hyrule Castle, (laughs) obviously. Are you going to pick something else? Yes. Uh, No, probably not. Because like I, I like the I like the divine beasts more than most people like them, but Hyrule Castle is like what a dungeon could be in Breath of the Wild. For some for some reason, just a moment there, I connected the divine beasts to Hyrule Castle, and then I thought about altering the castle on your Sheikah slate. We might have to we, do that. We might do that in, in Breath too. of and yeah, that'll be cool. That'd be pretty cool. I imagine the castle tilting. <laughs> anyway. So we all agree Hyrule Castle. Uh-huh. That's the best dungeon overall in the series. Fuck! Do you have an answer for this? Hyrule Castle. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Are you talking about Hyrule Castle, Hyrule Castle, or Hyrule Castle? Uh, Breath of the Wild Hyrule Castle is great. Uh, it, it feels like a new thing. It feels like, yeah, this is a different take on what a, a Zelda dungeon can be. That's true. It really does. It's the first Zelda dungeon since the first one that hasn't felt like Rogue. For the best uh, traditional style Zelda dungeon, it might be it might be Lanayru Mining Facility. <laughs> I would I would respect that completely. Uh huh. In fact, I'll I'll will sign off on both of those. Crystal Hyrule Castle as best dungeon with Lanayru Mining Facility as second best. Ooh, that was a chunky question. It's been 30 minutes since I said 30 minutes. How are we feeling? Hungry. Yeah. I'm good. How are you doing, Crystal? I, I'm, I'm doing good. Do you want to keep going? I think we can at least hit maybe September. <laughs> well, yeah, hold let's, on. Let's get to September. <laughs> okay, two more then. Okay. Uh, Jackson asks again, is the Yeti Yetta in Twilight Princess actually a Yeti? She looks like she's just a human wearing a weird sweater. You can't just ask a Yeti <laughs> if they're wearing a sweater. I mean, she does wear a sweater because she's cold. She's ill. Yeah. Yeah. Yeto probably knit her that sweater or put together that quilt. Yeah, it looked like a big quilt. 
She's sick. Her husband's trying to take care of her. Yetta's face is definitely more human-like than Yetta's. In much the same way that any fantasy uh, species will have much more human female members than male members. Yeah, of course. As It's just what happens. But she does still have the big Yeti feet, and she is still like 15 feet tall. And when she shows her teeth for real, they're Yeti teeth. Yeah, definitely a Yeti. Wait, Yeti has like scaly skin... And yet it has, like, smooth skin and painted toenails. Yeah. Do you think that's actually a quilt, or do you think that that's just part of her? I I'm, I might be coming around to Yetta being a different species than Yetta. <gasps> I think that I'm going to say that she's probably still a Yeti, and that that quilt is actually her body. Like, she's not wearing a hood, that's her head. I, okay. think, I think she is wearing a big sweater, but if you took it off, she'd still be very hairy. Okay. <laughs> Works for me. There's enormous sexual dimorphism in Twilight Princess Yetis. Yeah, it's, it's, you could almost say they're different species. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at Yeto, uh, his chest has patches, not in the same way exactly, but you could kind of see how one might diverge into like diamond patterns and his is sort of like rounded scaly patterns. They still look like sweaters. Yeah, they're both sweater people. The Yeti is more like the sweaty. Oh God, she started laughing. Yeta looks like he's wearing a sweater over his scaly skin. Maybe Yeta is the Yeti and Yeto's like a crocodile man wearing a sweater. Okay, Wearing a saddle on his head. Yeto don't know. I I, gen, I genuinely don't have an answer to this. I think that she's probably a Yeti, but she is only about the same size as some of the taller human women in that game. So I, I don't really know. She's not like 15 feet tall. She's like a head and a half taller than Link. So it's possible that she's human, but when she's got the mirror shard and she shows her teeth, they are Yeti teeth. Is it fucked up that Ashe wears a Yeti pelt? Yeah. Maybe it's just a, a Yeti cosplay. I mean, if if that's if that's an actual Yeti pelt, then yeah, that's a that, that's a fucked up thing to wear because Yetis aren't like bacoblins where they're the souls of evil people just reincarnated into monstrous bodies over and over. Yetis are folks; they're just like Gorons. It would be like wearing a Goron pelt. Is a Shay wearing a fucking Yeti pelt? Hold on. Yeah, she absolutely is. Let me show you this picture. It's a Yeti cosplay. It is definitely some kind of fur. I'm going to say it's not a Yeti pelt because it's too small, but it's definitely meant to evoke a Yeti. Oh, I don't want it to be a Yeti pelt. That would be fucked up. Okay, if she's wearing a Yeti pelt, yes, it's super fucked up. I, I, I don't know where she got it from, but she needs to get rid of it. I feel like the metal armor maybe wouldn't help in the snow. I don't know. I'm not a soldier. I don't, I'm not a medieval uh, bladesman. I'm no climatologist's We. But it looks cool, and that's the only thing that matters. Hey, you know what's silly looking? You ever see those uh, YouTubes or TikToks of people who try to cut their own bangs, and they bunch it up wrong, and then they completely fuck it up and make a weird shape? Yeah. That's a Shay. She did that. Yeah, her bangs aren't the best. <laughs> They're not super great. I. It looks... How, how did she even get it that way? I think she... Just, like, tried to cut a curve while having them bunched up in a certain way, and it came out perfectly flat. But would... 
the, would the edge hairs curve like that? Unless no, they were to, gelled to? She looked. She tried to make it concave, and she just has really, uh, like her her bangs curl more. I guess I don't fucking know. I feel like that's gelled or clipped on. You mean she means to look that way? Yes. I, I feel like with most Zelda designs, they're meant to evoke something very specific and peculiar, like particular. So, but I don't know what that's supposed to be, like a fishtail. I feel like that's clipped fish on. on her head? Maybe maybe it's supposed to be like the nose guard of a helmet. Uh, Monica's lost. Crystal's lost. We're all lost. Nobody knows. She's just Nobody got knows. a lot going on in her look. She does. Ashe has to have the busiest look of anyone in Twilight Princess. And in Twilight Princess, that's saying something. She's cool, though. She's cool. She doesn't say much. No. But she is a serious-looking young woman with a sword, which puts her way up the fucking ladder for Twilight Princess. You know what she looks like? She looks like an RPG where you have, like, one of the arms, and then you have, like, a lower-level arm armor, and then you oh, have, God. like, a high-level leg armor... But then, like, low-level chest armor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. That is what she looks like. She does look exactly like that. Imagine a RPG where they make you get separate armor for each sleeve that you wear. Oh, those are the best ones. Uh, is that a thing? Yeah, absolutely. Does Rogue do that? No, Rogue doesn't do that. Oh, okay. But I love when RPG gives me separate sleeves and feats. All right, you know, fair enough. That does give us designs like a Shea, so I can't argue. Furthermore, you should be able to wear ten rings. <laughs> yeah. Why not more? You can wear more than one ring on a finger. Oh, now we're talking. Now, <laughs> actually, yeah, that I, I like that idea, but only if they actually show on your character's hand. Yes. While they're reaching around and doing stuff, there's no reason for rings not to be visible. <laughs> Where are we going? I don't know. We're going to August fourth. We don't need to read that one. Oh, okay. It was well, a nice appreciative email about me, and thank you, Rachel. Okay. Well, in that case, we, we've we made it to September. Ta-da! 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 And we have plenty left over for at least another two or three mailbags. Thank you, everyone, for questions. Keep sending them in, and we will get to them. It might be some time. In about six months. Well, we'll try and do a little bit quicker turnaround than that nowadays. You know... There's Zelda stuff happening. That's true. All it takes is like one trailer. And we'll be there. And we'll be there. And we do still have to do the Age of Calamity episode, which we will do at some point. We'll get around to it. There's a lot to dig into in that game. Yeah. It's a long game, as Musos tend to be. Cameron, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter, at CamWriter. You can find me on Twitter, at ArcaneCrystal. Find Patreon, at patreon.com slash arcane crystal you can find other podcasts on this network at audioentropy.com such podcasts as Eidolon playtest a game where uh, we playtest an, an rpg based on persona and jojo you have like little eilons or like stands or personas it's a fun game there's a, a common repriser forze christ where they watch Common Rider Forze and talk about it. You know, it's one of those rewatch podcasts. There's Teenagers Attitude, a Power Rangers rewatch podcast. There's Let's Place, where we uh, scientifically and objectively rank every video game according to its quality. 
And there's all sorts of other podcasts that are of, of good quality over at audioentropy.com. So many to see. And Crystal, is it still true that if I'm subscribed to your Patreon, that I will get early access to some of the shows that you're on? Yes, you will get episodes earlier than they will be available to the public. All right. So just as a reminder for all of our listeners, go to patreon.com slash arcane crystal. Give them your money and you too can listen to these fine quality podcasts just a little bit earlier than everyone else. Let's close out with a joke. Yay. This joke comes in from Jeff. Breath of the Wild was originally intended for the... Hold on, let me... Let me get my Joker cadence. Breath of the Wild was originally intended for the Wii U. But halfway through, they made the switch. Hey! Yeah, actually, that's It's a joke that's true. It's true, and it's a word thing. God damn it. Okay, that's pretty funny. Good job, Jeff. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thank you. Goodbye, everybody. All right, goodbye.